When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. It's kind of a thrown-together Talk of Champions. Brad texted me on Sunday morning and said, Ben, we got to do a podcast. I was planning to do one on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, but Brad, you hit me up. You said, we got to do it after Ole Miss loses to Baylor 21-7 to in the Sugar Bowl. What's up? Yeah, man, I feel like there's a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. I feel like it was a, it was a good, um, you know, just, just a lot of information. I know there's a lot of fans probably feeling certain ways. Just a lot of stuff to talk. I'm glad glad we got to do this. But yeah, just just getting back in from New Orleans. Um, you know, I, I know there was. I know we lost the game, not the result we wanted. But man, I, I'll tell you what, Ole Miss fans, that was the craziest environment I've ever seen or ever been to that involved Ole Miss fans. I mean, they were absolutely rocking. They really took over New Orleans. Um, it was cool to be a part of that. Wish we would have won. Obviously, we had an unfortunate situation happen there, but um, man, it, it, it really felt proud to be a Rebel whenever we were, um, you know, in that game. Lane Kiffin all year was really critical about the fans, even when they showed up pretty well. He was still pretty critical. I wish he'd say something about what they did in New Orleans. Yeah, the game, crappy game. Matt Crowd gets hurt, but man, Ole Miss fans really showed up. Man, Ben, I'll tell you what. I don't know if you, I don't know if you win or not. Um, but it, it was it was all missed out from the time we got there. I mean, everything on Bourbon, everything was full old miss. And we got in the game, man, it was electric on the old miss side. It wasn't even close on the better side. And I only know this because I sat right in the middle of the Baylor section on the fifty yard line. So unfortunate night for me, but um, you know, some rough ticket situation in there. I'm sure a lot of other people went through the same thing, but we had to last minute grab some tickets on the other side, right? The Mobile Bear fans, but I had to sit there and stare across the way at, at how electric it was. And it was, man, it, it really was special. Anybody that was there that knows that, man, whenever Luke Altmaier threw that touchdown pass, they really felt it. Um, I mean, it was, it was, you know, they, they were pretty, pretty amped up all game. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five star, this, as long as it's five stars, this podcast can be found. Wherever you get your podcast, just simply search Talk of Champions. And all right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and the food of Own3.com. So what happened when Matt Corral gets hurt, game is lost, but what happened other than that? Why was the offensive line play, for example, so bad, even with Matt in the game? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what happened. This, this is classic. And I, I, first off, I'll say something about Baylor. 
Um, very well coached team. I, I don't think that team's that good. I don't think they're that talented, um, you know, across the board or as talented as us across the board, but they play very disciplined football and, and that they were, they don't make mistakes. They don't get a lot of penalties and they just line up and run the football and they try to control the game. And that, that, that that's why I was so close down the stretch. The difference in the game was the O lines and D lines, man. I mean, they, they had 10 sacks. Um, we had three interceptions. They had, they had no turnovers. Um, don't think we really sacked their guy. They had 40 passing yards. They had 40 passing yards and beat us. I mean, that's if you told me that was going to happen, that that's wild. But 279 rushing yards. So that they beat us with an old style football. They they got after us on the on the line D line. They ran the ball. I mean, they gave their guy 25 carries for 175 yards. Um, I mean, I've been been calling for that all year. They just kind of stuck to their thing, kept pounding and kind of kind of beating the rock and then finally broke it. So um, yeah, I mean, it's just that they just beat us by playing smart football and we can kind of let us beat ourselves and you look at that that game i mean we had a, a missed field goal there that, that was tough and then we had you know a pick six and then another pick to gave him a short field and they capitalized on it. that was the only difference in that game um i, I think if we keep if matt's in there and he gets going we probably we try probably do beat him but um yeah they, they didn't they didn't make mistakes they just played sound football and that kind of you know, talking to some of their fans there that's kind of what they did all year nothing was ever ever good looking about that team all year they just always found a way to win and and it was played very smart ball what did you think of Luke Altbyer's audition as the potential replacement for Matt Corral? Uh, he looked like a freshman. He really did. But he, but I tell you what, there's, you know, I, I was much more impressed than I think. I think I was much more impressed than I thought I was going to be. Um, you know, I, I, we, none of us have seen him much. He's a young kid. Um, at times, whenever he got confident, got hot, um, you know, he really was. Um, he really was impressive at times, but but one thing he's going to have to learn, and and I'm sure he'll learn this off season is, if it's not there, you cannot force it. You 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 can you can flip the whole outcome of the game and, and wipe away all the good you did by by forcing you know forcing a throw over the middle, or you know he he kept getting the ball tipped, and and even the one that he got tipped with um K, Casey Kelly over the middle. I mean that should have been a, that should have been a first down or a walk in touchdown. You know, he was wide open. If you go back and look at the film. Um, just, just little stuff like that, man. But I, I think that, um, I think he's got a shot. I think he's got a chance. I mean, it was encouraging. It's not it's nice to have, have someone like that. And, um, you know, best case scenario, I mean, Matt, Matt went down that sucked, but at least you got a kid in there that they got to play on the biggest stage. He'll probably get to play in at Ole Miss, um, you know, and he got some experience there. So that is the one positive I'm looking at the silver lining. Well, with that loss begins, what's going to be quite the busy off season for Ole Miss football, not just from recruiting, in the transfer portal, but coaching staff changes. DJ Durkin's a candidate for the same position at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher on his staff. But as I reported actually early Sunday morning, because it was like one in the morning after the Sugar Bowl, Ole Miss and DJ Durkin are at least negotiating for him to potentially stay. I know Lane Kiffin wants him to stay. So DJ Durkin watching his status, what happens with the portal, players getting to the transfer portal like John Rice Plumley, I expect him to get in, Snoop Connor potentially, Chuck Roundsville reported on the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and affiliate of On3.com. And it was something I kind of alluded to, I want to say about a week ago, how Snoop Connor, there was some momentum for him and Chance Campbell to both return next season. And that momentum came from NIL deals being lined up with them, sizable NIL deals. Well, Chuck's reporting on Sunday that Snoop, even with that deal, is leaning toward leaving. So now you're talking about Zach Evans. Can you get him in the boat? Can you get his academic stuff in order? A bunch of things that Ole Miss fans will be paying attention to, will be paying attention to and talking about. But as we get into this stuff, after that loss, has your 
perception or attitude changed in any way, positively or negatively, in regards to Ole Miss and the program moving forward? No, I mean, I think this was a bad feeling because because of the loss. I think once everything settles, um, you know, guys are going to leave. We know it's going to happen um, for, for certain situations. And, you know, like a guy like a Snoop Connor, man, I mean, if he left, well, why would anybody ever be mad at him or, or, or ever question him? I mean, he's highly underused. Um, maybe he's just not a fit for this offense. I, I don't see how he's not, but, um, you know, he just, I feel like he didn't, I mean, he got, he got, they, they split it three ways. Whereas I feel like if we gave him the 25 carries like the, like the Baylor kid last night, he probably does the same thing or has a chance to do the same thing. So, um, you know, guys like that are going to leave. They feel like they, they have a, you know, better chance of getting more carries and getting more playing time. Can't blame them, man. I mean, love to have him back, but you know, Kiffin and then we'll go out and find a, find another guy that, um, kind of fits their scheme. So, you know, I, you know, it's obviously discretion to lose a game, but you know, moving forward, we know we have a lot of holes to fill. But you know, that there's a reason we pay the man eight million dollars, and that's his job, and he'll have to figure it out. And um, and you know, I'm, I'm sure he will. And if he doesn't, I mean, I'm sure he'll hear, hear about it then as well. Here's my question about Snoop, and I've heard this response a lot because there are a lot of people like you that believe Snoop Connor is woefully underutilized. What do you say then to the fan that says, okay? I test, it looks like Snoop's better, but with just three more carries, Jerry Ely had 121 more yards. He's the better pass catcher, the better pass protector, even though Snoop Connor's got the better build for it. Now, Jerry going pro, Snoop will have more opportunity, but even if you look at the opportunities, and while game script, it would look like he's getting less opportunity than even Henry Parrish. He had 11 touches. Henry Parrish had, what, three or four? And he yeah. averaged fewer yards per carry than both Ely and Parrish. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it just depends on situations, certain plays and stuff. I mean, it, it, it does make sense. I mean, it, it certainly appears that he was he was highly underutilized. I can see it from both sides. I mean, Ely is um, Ely and Parrish are obviously the, the type of guy Lane wants in there. Um, but at the end of the day, I would have liked to have seen Snoop um, come in you know, anybody that's played football knows coming in and the, you get out there, you warm up, you're all amped up, and you come in your first plays in the second quarter with five minutes to go. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, you've been standing there 45 minutes. So I just – I would have liked to seen him ever – I don't know he's. I don't know if he's ever gotten a game like that where he gets in there, he's a lead back. You know, you just get him in a rhythm early and, and let him kind of kind of do his thing and see kind of where he stacks up. And I just think we never saw that. I mean, that, that, that's, all, that's all I think Ole Miss fans wanted to see is him get a full game of – of being the guy and see what happened. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that the way it, the way he runs, it's just, there, there's just no way he doesn't, you know, break glass and, and get, you know, just have, have big games in there. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's fair to say it's just, it, it's going to be like that too with this offense. I mean, he's, um, the, the way Lane, you know, once they get in a rhythm and start hurrying up, I mean, whatever guy's in there is getting the carry, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't really, really matter. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that's the, um, that's the kind of style and that's just, that's just what it's going to be with this offense. You know, just a lot of backs getting a lot of different carries and I'd like to see Snoop more, but you know, it just doesn't appear he's in favorite. Well, today is a first on talk of champions, a first in talk of champions history. Never before have we done back to back mailbags, but today we're doing another mailbag an impromptu mailbag. Because like I said, Brad texted me Sunday morning. I had this whole plan, this grand plan for this week to return to normalcy after the holidays, going back to three times a week, twice with Brad and one with Zach. And then Brad texts me, says, hey, I'm in New Orleans, and a bunch of people came up to me saying, I listen to the podcast. We got to do this for them. So this is all Brad's doing. And I asked for questions because I didn't know what else to do. 
because I couldn't get a guest on short notice like that. So I asked you all on Twitter and the Ole Miss Spirit message board for questions. And Brad was right. Y'all did want a podcast because we got 90 questions. I am not exaggerating. 90 questions between the Ole Miss Spirit and Twitter. So what we're going to do is dive into the mailbag. And if I can't really add anything to what Brad says, I'm not going to. Let's open the mailbag. The mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. All right for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and fleetofon3.com. We're going to start this impromptu Talk of Champions mailbag with questions submitted to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and fleetofon3.com. HCBreb.10. What does Brad think about the offensive line play? You know, um, this is the first time that they did have Jeremy James did go out. I don't know if you, I don't know if anybody saw that or noticed that, but um, I think that was kind of big to start. But even when he was in there, you know, kind of getting after Murley, it it just, it was a bad performance, man. And it got worse once there was a court, kind of what I said earlier in the year, whenever I was saying, Hey, I thought they were kind of inconsistent all year and Corral was saving them with their legs, you know, a lot of times. And and that's kind of what, what happened, man. Once Corral went out there and I'm seeing Luke Altmar can't run, but man, he certainly is not the athlete that, that Corral is with his legs of getting out of the pocket. And, um, yeah, they got, they kind of got exposed there a little bit and, and you know, it, it, it was, there was some physical beating in there, but, but man, what, what was, what was frustrating to me was the, the, the fact that, that they weren't able to get off twist and, and turning guys free, you know, missing on some stunts, you know, missing on blitz blitzers coming free and stuff. That's, that to me is, is, um, I don't want to say lack of preparation, but man, just not being focused and, um, you know, free shots, to the quarterback, you know, you end up with, with one that, that leaves on a damn gurney and then the other guys getting his head knocked off too. That's just not a good look, man. And, um, there's a lot of other times where they were scrambling as well. And, um, you know, it was kind of a joint effort in there, but it, man, there was, there was a couple of times where it was just, it was like a miscommunication and a guy was turned free and, you know, hats off to Baylor, man. I mean, they they scheme well. That you look at that number two for them. I, I'm not his name don't ring a bell with me right now, but I may, maybe Bernard or something like that. I mean, he had 17 tackles and three sacks in the linebacker position. That's uh, that's absurd. that's just crazy. So I mean, there was just no answer for that guy. And yeah, I mean, it just looked like the communication was off on top of the you know just losing some one on ones there. But um, losing Jeremy James certainly hurt there at the end of that game. You've been talking about Nick Broker for a while. How despite what I've heard which is Nick Broker has long intended to enter the NFL draft after this year, that it would be best for him in his long-term future professionally if he stayed another year. And there's been some growing optimism that that's indeed what he could do. I don't think he wants that last game in the Sugar Bowl to be his last game because that was his worst performance of the year. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch. I couldn't tell because I mean, like guys were flying all over the place. Um, I have to go back and watch it closely, but I just think uh, in general – um, you know, the, anytime you're, anytime you're a part of a group that gives up 10 sacks, listen, Ben, five sacks in a game is bad. Four sacks is, is, isn't good. 10, 10 is getting up towards, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a game other than maybe the Eagles, something long time or eight. I mean, 10 sacks, is a lot of freaking sacks, man. That, that's like, that's at a, that's at a, a crazy level. Um, 
you know, so that's what happens when you're almost playing like Murray State. Yeah, I would. I bet. I bet if you dug in the stats, there wasn't many ten sack games this year in in a in two when two power five schools were playing each other. If there were, it it was very few. Yeah. So yeah, and as far as Broker goes, man, I mean, obviously I've discussed with him about this, and 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 he's he knows he's a very smart kid. Um, I think that you know, I think he knows that he should come back, but it's gonna be a matter of if he's gonna come back and play guard or not. And there's a lot of stuff that'll be worked out there, but um, yeah, I I think he's a pretty prideful kid, and I I would I would. You know, hopefully, hopefully, I think he's going to be going to be coming back. Brandon Reb, eighteen forty eight. Do y'all think it was a bad move by Lane to let Lebby coach that game? Um, I think he had to, man. I think he had to let him coach it. I think there was some, um, you know, kind of some comfort with Matt and all that that went into play there. I don't want to get too too detailed on that, but yeah, I think that that was um, that was one of the one of the things they wanted Matt to be comfortable. And I don't think it was a mistake, man. I think that. You know, Matt Crow got hurt early in that game. Who, I mean, and that—that's kind of was the was the thing with Matt here lately. He's been—he's kind of starting a little bit slow, and um, you can't tell me at once. I think I think once that game kind of got going, and you know, the, the kind of jitters got out, I think he would have he would have dominated. I really do. Um, I think he would have played a great game. You know, there's some throws in there that that I think that that he would have made that Luke probably didn't see. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we would have won that game had Matt stayed in there. Thomas Hamilton, did it appear to Brad that the offensive line was underprepared? It seemed to me like they were often surprised by stunts, twists, and blitzes, or does he think the sacks were a result of being overmatched physically? Definitely wasn't overmatched physically. I think I think you nailed it. I think it was um, – I don't know what the preparation was like. I'm not involved, but, man, there was sure – there was a lot of guys, a lot of confusion, a lot of guys getting turned free. It's either we, were, we weren't quite as prepared or we got – I don't know, out schemed or something. I don't know, but there was. You watch that film. There were some guys running free up the middle, and and when it's up the middle, that's when it's scary. Um, that, that's when there's some there's some real confusion. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it was um, one of those things where it was it was. I've seen almost a line play that all year, and now whenever Jeremy James went out, you know that got a little bit rough, but I mean, even then Matt Corral got, was getting sacked, get there, getting to him pretty quickly early on. So, um, yeah, they looked like, it looked like some, some pretty, pretty, pretty bad confusion going on up front. Blake Brazil, Zach Evans update. I think Ole Miss has all momentum right now to land Zach Evans out of the transfer portal from TCU. The word I got on Saturday as we first reported on the Ole Miss spirit, it was trending more and more towards Zach Evans ending up at Ole Miss and then Steve Wilfong, who's great at what he does at 247, crystal balled Zach Evans to Ole Miss. So further proof that what we were getting, I think, is uh, pretty dead on, and that's that Ole Miss has a lot of momentum for him. Matt, 0-2-1-3 of the offensive linemen currently on the team that are not starting, are there guys that will be SEC ready by next year, or are we portal or bust? Certainly going to have to go to the portal there. Um, I think if you can get – we can somehow – get broker and Brown back and, you know, James will be, a um, you know, James being back will be a solid addition. I think you're, you'll be looking at, um, you know, broker and Ben being the guards, um, you know, James are probably a slot over the left tackle. And then you got, you know, center and right, um, right tackle to fill. Maybe that comes from the transfer or whatever, but I'm, there's going to certainly have to be some transfer ads there. I mean, you're going to look at least two or three guys. They're currently talking to Mason Brooks from Western Kentucky, and they offered J.D. Dorenzo from Sacred Heart last week. He's an interior offensive lineman. If you were to land a J.D. Dorenzo, 
Ben Brown prob- probably plays center again, so that's something to watch out. He has the versatility to move back over, and that's something that's been talked about already. Matt Smith, number one, any rumors on the transfer quarterback market? Nothing right now, but I expect a lot of movement within the next week or so because I think you're going to see a big second wave of portal additions. Number two, what is your percentage on us actually getting Deion Smith? Well, the further this drags on with his academic work that he's got to finish up and clean up at LSU, the more realistic it becomes that he just goes back to LSU. That becomes real. But right now, all signs still that I'm getting are pointing towards him ending up at Ole Miss, be it in January or June. Number three, Brad, what do you like about Luke's game Saturday night? I tell you what, I man, he's kind of a gamer, um, and I think that's um, especially when in there. I, I'm like everybody else; I don't know what to expect. Um, and I'd heard, you know, Levy, you know, talking about how you know he thought he was gonna be a good player in time, had some good talent, and man, he made some ridiculously good throws and good plays. And and as as the game was going on, I think everybody kind of felt his confidence kind of growing and growing. But you know, sometimes you get in there and it's you, know, you force a throw here and there, and it can kind of wipe everything away. And that's kind of what happened there. But if you take away those two interceptions, man, I mean. He had enough to – he spun it well. And there was another two um, – there was two balls in there that, that should have been caught. Um, you know, and that, and that, that that's on the, at the hands of, uh, I think, Pearson and, and Braylon Sanders missed one. Um, you know, those guys got to step up and make, make the catches for him. And then, that, 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 honestly, the throw to – I think it was Mingo. that, that it, They didn't call pass interference on it, but he threw a great ball there as well. Um, you know, so I, I was impressed. I really was. And, and people – Trying to judge what he just did is so hard. This kid went in all week, didn't get any first-team reps. I guarantee he got zero first-team reps. Um, and you get thrown into the Sugar Bowl. I'm telling you, he was impressive for for not getting all the reps all week. I think he'd go full offseason, you know, if he ends up being the guy, really preparing him, giving him all the reps. I, he's got a shot. He's got a shot. He's you, People got to realize he was just in high school. He's a, he's a legit, true freshman. Um, you know, so he would, did enroll a little early, but he's still a young kid. So I think that, I think there's a, there's, there's definitely some talent there. I think that was encouraging for him to get in there. Um, I still think you had a transfer guy and let those two battle it out. No, I feel the same way. He, um, really showed some good composure, some moxie to him, some competitiveness. And for a guy who had no plans of playing in that game to get in there and at least compete like he did. I think uh, said a lot about him and what he could be potentially as a quarterback. Number four, Brad, have you heard any rumors on the coaching front when it comes to departures and possible replacements? No, not not too much, man. I mean, uh, the Durkin thing, I, I'd heard rumors of that, you know, dating way back to the Arkansas game. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't – it looks like we're going to try to compete to get him. But other than that, I haven't um, haven't heard of any other changes. I'm not going to lie, though, I was shocked that the strength coach left or, or is leaving or if he is, you know, whatever they, that report's true. He's gone. Yeah, I mean, that's like Lane's guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lane brought him from where that to me is shocking. That I mean, the Levy thing I get, um, Dirk and Fury for lateral, that would kind of, you know, not so much shock me, but it still would be kind of telling. And then the strength coach leaving is really concerning because that's like Lane's guy. You brought him from FAU. He was with him in Alabama. Like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. That one's weird. I didn't expect that one. As I reported on Friday, Ole Miss is close. It appears to hiring Nick Savage, formerly of Florida and Mississippi State, to replace Wilson Love. I think that uh, the DJ Durkin stuff has a long way to go, and Ole Miss is going to fight like hell to keep him. So they they fought like hell to keep Wilson Love too. I mean, you're right. That's that's Lane Kiffin's guy. 
Number five, thank you guys so much for your hard work bringing us all the Ole Miss news over the past year. Oh, thanks. Super grateful for you guys and the time you put in. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend too, Matt Smith. Swag Kelly. How yeah. much did the defense mask the offensive regression during the back half of the season? Yeah, man. The the um the defense the defense was <laughs> if you'd have told me after the Arkansas game when we were I was absolutely hammering Durkin and hammering how how bad the three down look was. Um, that we were going to turn out to be, I mean, that was about as good as Ole Miss defense as we've as we've had in a long time. I mean, you think about that game yesterday. We've given we gave it one play, literally one bad play to, to Baylor, and the rest of it. I mean, we made them earn it. They had forty passing yards, dude. Like that's that's unheard of. Now they did run the ball well on us, but that's their thing. They they you know they they ran it one one run was you know fifty yards or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean the offense, um, you know, it just it just didn't look the same midway through the year once Matt got hurt and we thought it was Matt's injury and then it just kind of I don't know maybe they got in rhythm and started doing things that they weren't out of their comfort zone but I think one thing if you look at the offense that it hurt us this year um that that I don't think we're given enough um look at and that's the tight end position um and it's nothing against the guys that are in there but um this offense is is designed to run the ball and and you know it's designed to have a really good tight end in it like a more athletic tight end that can go out and receive and do some extra things and that just wasn't there so I think that, um, you know, we were hoping there was an ad there, but I just don't think that we ever got that. Not having that that position in there was kind of kind of different. I mean, you think, think last year when Yabo was in there, we threw it to the tight end a lot. We had a tight end that had almost 700 yards receiving. So hopefully we can get Hudson Wolf, you know, up to speed and healthy, and maybe he turns out to be a good one. But if not, that's a position that I feel like Lane has got to get get on and get somebody in there that that is, um, you know, kind of the prototypical, prototypical guy that, that he needs. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Chinese Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. A new year brings new beginnings, a fresh start. The slate has been wiped clean. And what better way to celebrate that than with a new car? Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place you should go, and that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from new and used sales to parts and service. Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in, and I cannot say enough good things about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. When you go, ask for Brian or Mason. They'll make sure to get you in the car that you want at a price point you can afford. And make sure to tell them that Talk of Champions sent you to take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. You can contact them today at 662-234-8000, East University Avenue, 662-234-8000. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. A new year is here. It's 2022, not to mention that spring is around the corner in Oxford, Mississippi. What comes with it? The return of Ole Miss football, Ole Miss baseball. It's a special time of year in Oxford. You want to be there, right? You want to be in Swayze Field. You want to be back in Vaughn-Hemingway Stadium. Well, the only way you can do that is if you're healthy, that you have a pharmacy you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Chinese Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Chinese Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Chinese also accepts all third-party insurance, 
Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. H. Toddy, Ben or Brad, with the new renderings of Vault Hemingway Stadium and a new remake of the North End Zone, when do they plan work on the North End Zone? Now or when they redo the West Side or sometime after West Side is finished? It looks like that the um, the End Zone, I mean, I don't, I don't think that, that, that the North End Zone would be that crazy to do. Yeah, it looks like they're just taking the center out of it. Um, so I, I, maybe they do it together, maybe not. But it looks like that the... Um, you know the the west the west side will be to be be first, obviously. Scott P twenty one. The first question is about the offensive line. You've already kind of touched on that. We've got ninety of these things. The second part is if Zach Evans and Deion Smith transfer to Ole Miss, does the ball keep rolling? I guess it depends on the quarterback. Yeah, it depends on the quarterback. Which Altmaier showed some stuff, but I mean those guys are no sure thing either, man. Like it, they're, you know, what I mean, Deion Smith was okay at LSU. He got some talent, but. Um, you know, until they get out there and get a role and get involved, you know, I, I like, I like getting transfer portal guys. Don't get me wrong, but there's no sure thing ever until they get here and, and you see how they fit in the offense and you know, how it all works out. It certainly would be great to have them and we would definitely need guys, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, that's, you, you don't want to, you know, they get, they get in there and start doing good things. We'll, we'll obviously be happy for it, but you know, uh, I think that, I think that you can't put it in, Hey, the ball is going to be rolling mode just cause we got those guys. They'll have to start to come in and prove themselves and um, you know pick up the roles of guys that are leaving. I do think that Ole Miss has the potential to be better at wide receiver collectively through the work they get done in the portal than the group this year. Even though this group is really good, I do think that the options that they're pursuing collectively could be deeper and more dynamic. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. And I think that um, – I think this what this this group was was good this year. You know, Drummond was probably the most cons- most consistent and um, you know a you know probably our, our number one guy. But outside of that, man, it was it was choppy. I mean, even even the Brandon Sanders, he was he dropped a few throughout the year. He's a good deep ball guy at times, but you know the consistency just overall in that group wasn't you know wasn't quite there. It was it was early on, but later in the year, man, I mean, it was it was kind of hit or miss with those guys. And once the injuries started to pile up, they were exposed for how yeah. lacking in depth they they were. Uh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, I think I think you, you're right. I think that group. I think Lane is going to pick up a, any if he, if he can get them. If they'll come, he'll they'll take them. Especially especially some of the top, better guys in the portal. So I think he if he can get five, you know, four to five guys, he would do it. Already committed Louisville's Jordan Watkins. A priority target in the portal was Akron's Kanata Mumpfield, but he committed to Pittsburgh on Sunday. Wicked Brew, even before Matt's injury, the offense looked anemic. Was this due to missing Levy's input during the bowl prep, the high pressure on the offensive line by Baylor's front seven, or did Lane just get plain out coached by Aranda and Ron Roberts? I I think it was a combination, man. I think I think that their scheme was got after us a little bit i really do i mean there there's another way to explain all those linebackers having so many sacks so um 
yeah, I mean, I, I think you got, the scheme was getting after us a little bit, and I, but but I do think what I did see happening, and I was excited it was just starting um, right before Matt got hurt, is you know, we started we started adding that draw in there, and the reason why is because they were leaving the middle field open, just like Tennessee was trying to do, trying to play too high, they could cover two, trying to keep everything in front of them. They weren't going to give up any deep balls. Well, we did a couple draws there, if you notice, right before Matt got hurt, and we, we popped him for some good yardage. That was going to have to bring him back into the middle, so – I, like I said, man, I think that, you know, the way it started, people were, were, were a little bit nervous. But later on in that game, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, man, if Matt was in here, we, we would probably probably start having some success. I think it would have been a slow start to a to a kind of get-going type game. I think we would have got him if he was in there. H. Toddy, with rumors of Snoop Connor transferring out, why? Opportunity. Secondly, where do you think he'll eventually end up? I don't know. I've heard a number of different schools that would be interested in him. Um, but nothing solid enough that I'd feel comfortable discussing it publicly. I will say Southern Miss rumors have been there for two years. So trans to Lewitt. three questions. The first is about the offensive line. Second, what I didn't see from Luke Altmeyer was Matt's ability to move defenders around with pump fakes and his eyes was Luke staring down his receivers. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that going on, but I agree. I think that um, he's got to be a little bit more. Maybe one thing, one thing that's good about Matt is when he takes his drop, um, he looks real athletic, you know, kind of spread out, not a lot, lot of nice like pumps, a lot, lot of nice quick twitch movements that, that kind of can move a defender. Just like with the throw to um, Casey Kelly. I mean, he's just looking down the whole time. He just kind of zips it, you know. I mean, you got to just throw that over the top, you know, kind of get put some touch on. He's wide open. Um, just little stuff like that is he's really got to improve on, which, you know, it's hard to compare him to a crowd because crowd's been in it for a while and he's kind of gotten a little smarter. But, yeah, I think there's there's cert- he's certainly got to be – not so robotic with the ball. So um, I, he'll get there. I mean, if he, if he works out and he, he ends up being a good player, he'll get there. But yeah, I mean, getting the balls batted at the, at the line of scrimmage that many times is, um, you know, that's just, that's just, you know, not understanding your throwing lanes. Third, we started the season leading all of organized football in penalty yards per game. Did you see improvement over the last few games? Yeah, I think there was some improvement there, um, definitely. But, you know, still still some penalties mixed in there. But, yeah, definitely improvement from early on. Yeah, they got better. Not all that much better, but yep. better. Kind of hard to be worse than they were to start the year. Power line 17, know, yeah. three questions. Number one, is the reason for Snoop leaving a rift between him and Coach Smith? No. Number two, what was Jeremy James' injury that kept him out last night? I can't remember. What was it? It it looked like to me, and I saw the play when it happened. It was a play before the Matt sack, I think, or, or right around that play. Like he got his ankle clipped, to me. But yeah, didn't he get rolled I up? I don't know. I mean, it, it, it looked like it from behind. It looked like he got rolled up. Um, but I, I kind of saw it even you know early on. I think it was happening. Then um, when he, he was still going a couple of plays, but like he was kind of struggling. And then um, after that, he, he was he was out of there, which was um, which was tough sledding. Number three. Why McIntyre at right tackle shouldn't after the first half try Melton better suited out there, longer body, and slide Reese back inside for Acker two games in a row, Mississippi State and Baylor. Acker was abused in the middle. Yeah, I don't um I don't know, man. I mean I guess that was that was just the <laughs> the only depth that they had, but yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I was I was shocked there. That's um that's that just shows that we we were definitely Definitely need to add there. Um, yeah, nothing against Reese. I'm sure he's more of a guard guy, but um, anytime you're you're facing a D line like Baylor, who's who's a lot quicker than than um, than, than most, he, he just um, man, it just it just wasn't a good look for for all those guys up front. They kind of kind of got after us a little bit. 
Rebel 1017, what is the true story with Snoop? I think that this staff kind of views him a particular way, and uh, they utilize him in that way. I don't think there's anything nefarious about it. Um, he'd prefer more opportunity. He does pass the eye test. And while I know that Jerry Neely got whipped pretty bad on one particular play in the Sugar Bowl and Pass Pro, he still knows where to go where Snoop kind of gets lost out there. So while Snoop, when you look at him, you think, yeah, that's a great pass protector. He's not. And he can't really catch the ball all that particularly well out of the backfield. So I agree. I don't really see a ton from Henry Parrish that makes me think that that guy right there, he's got it. But this staff prefers that style of running back to Snoop. But even with the way they utilize Snoop, he still gets his carries. He got 11 carries in the Sugar Bowl. Now, I can understand being frustrated not coming in until later and being the closer that they've kind of shoehorned you into being. It's purely a football thing. I don't think there's any kind of rift with him and Kevin Smith. I don't think there's anything like that that's causing this. It's just about opportunity. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I, I'm going to dig deeper on that and see if I can figure out, you know, if there if there was something or what. But I don't I don't think so. I think it has a little bit to do with with the type of guy they want, and um, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with um, you know anything other than football. I think you're correct there. But you know, if, if we do lose those two guys, um, you know, it's it's going to be a big loss. But you add Judkins and you get um, Evans, you know, that's that's some that's some pretty good guys and. Yeah, I don't know, but I know everybody was kind of excited about the bullet kit or whatever as well. So, um, who knows? I mean, I, I think that that he, if you mess around and get Evans and and the Judkins kid, that, that the Alabama, I think that's his name, the um, Alabama running back. Yep. And those are those are two, those are two pretty solid ads there, and, you, and you're stuck, and you have three good backs. So, Evans though, like Deion Smith, has some academic hurdles to clear. Nubby, who is your pick for a surprise big year next fall? Mm, surprise big year. I don't know, man. It's a little early to tell there. Um, you know, I'll be, I will definitely have to have to see. I think it's going to be one of the wide receivers, one of the freshman wide receivers that that was kind of, you know, not um, not involved this year. I, I just, it, it would be crazy to think that that three, four star wide receivers or whatever, how decently highly ranked wide receivers, and all of them don't, you know, one of them doesn't appear, one or two of them doesn't appear to be, you know, a solid player. That, that would be a, a crazy misevaluation. But I think it's going to be one of the wide receivers that, that we didn't see much of this year. Yeah, I'd have said Braylon Brown. Rebel 2469, did we use all 15 days allocated for practice? I don't think so, but they used most all of them, so they're not going to practice anymore. Midnight and Martin. Number one, how and how much does our offseason change as a result of last night? I still think we're saying the same things. Hey, let's get a quarterback to try to to um, compete with Luke Altmaier, and we got a lot of holes to fill on the O-line and need a couple of receivers. I mean, I think it's all the same. I really do. I, he's got an offense coordinator in here. Obviously, we, we know we, we made that hire. Um, let's let's try to bring in as many poor guys as possible. That, that that we need to fill holes and let's see where we're at him. I just think if, if we can get another quarterback um you know to comp- compete with Altmaier and Altmaier it's it, it was great for him to take some kind of teaching take into tape into the offseason so he's you've seen him play a game you know he's got a little talent there I think Ole Miss fans should feel you know fairly excited about you know what they saw especially whenever he was moving around making throws during the game that third quarter for a minute he was he was almost about to do something really special yeah he was I cooking mean, a little he, bit he, yeah, you kept, you kind of felt it. I mean, even in the stands, man, everybody was like, "Holy crap, who is this kid? This is about to be a legendary moment." And you get in there, and then all of a sudden, the youth shows. You know, he he, you got cover two over the middle, and he just freaking throws it right, you know, right in the middle of the field in a, in a situation like that. 
you know, I think the made field goal would have helped. I mean, you look at missing Caden Costa. I mean, that's just some, that's just crazy stuff, you know, so you're missing your kicker where, whereas there's two, two missed kicks in there. Um, yeah, but I mean, he's, he, he, I, I think you could look at this off season in general, it's a, um, you know, not much has changed. It is what it is. We know, know we need to bring in some guys and, um, it, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'll, I'll be excited to see Kiffin, you know, now without Corral, how can he rebuild this thing? And, um, you know, it, it, I think a lot, a lot of questions are about to be answered after this next year. For a split second, almost felt a little bit, a little bit like Eli Manning in the Music City Bowl replacing Roe. A little bit. For a second. Man, I tell you what, I, no kidding. And um, I just, oh, there's just two throws. If he takes two throws out of that game, Ole Miss is probably winning that game with Luke Altmaier in there. You know, the pick six you give them. Our defense played so unbelievable. They had 21 points and 14 of them were were not were not on the defense. Yeah, they gave up one play of that that was that was bad in that game, and um, we're really getting after them all game. It really and, San, and the thing about Sam Williams had one tackle in this game, no sacks, nothing. That's crazy. And the defense still played that well. That's crazy to me. That's crazy because their O line. If you watch them, if Ole Miss fans that were there probably saw what I saw. You looked at Baylor on the hoof; they were small. They were not a big team. That's why I was shocked. Even their D line, they were smaller. Like except for that number sixty-two, he was a monster. He was huge up the middle, but yeah. all in all, their O line was was not very big. Um, it was it was weird, man. I mean, I, I, at the hoof, I wasn't. Um, it wasn't wasn't overly crazily impressed, but they they play good sound ball and that that coach is legit. I think. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Dave Aranda. Number two from Midnight and Martin. Does Kiffin assume all play calling duties for next year? No, I think it'll be a collaborative effort with Charlie Weiss Jr. as it was when they both coached together at FAU. Rambling Reb, I felt there was a clearish path upward for the team moving forward. Is Arch it? Or do we have a bigger plan for team development that doesn't depend on one player alone? My rationale for Corral is Heisman is slapping me like a fish in the face. What is the path to the college football championship moving forward? Man, that's a loaded question. Um, yeah, I know. I think that, um, you know, obviously the, the whole deal with Arch, um, you know, everybody knows that, that, you know, obviously he's a, he's a big target, a main target. Um, who knows what's going to happen there? Um, but I think that they, I think they keep recruiting hard. Um, you know, trying, trying to get, if you don't get, you can't put all your eggs in the arch basket. I mean, you just can't do that. They're going to have to keep trying to bring in a top guy, keep trying to make this team as loaded as possible with talent. So you can find that, find the right combination. And you know, the path to the playoff to me, this was one of our best shots in a long time. And, you know, if you told me right now is almost going to be a playoff contender next year, I would say absolutely not, no. not, not, I don't. I think we're losing losing a lot of players here, man. I think I think if you have those expectations, you just sit down, pour yourself a drink, and um, you know th- think about a few things. We're losing some really good ball players that are going out the door um, this year. But you know the, the path forward is is as simple as we're going to have to figure out the NIL deal. We're going to have to get players in the door. Going to have to get a quarterback that that is you know a top talent that gives you you know some a guy that he can, you know, they can develop over the next three or four years and um, be that guy. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully a couple of years from now, we get to where, where we are contender. Um, but, but to say that, you know, that we're, that we're anywhere close to that right now today, I think that we're going to have to really, I mean, if that were to be the case, we'd have to land some, some crazy portal transfers. Yeah. After that sugar bowl and losing Matt Corral, no, you're going to take a step back, even with that schedule next year. <laughs> 
It's inevitable. Yeah. It's, you lost one of the best players yeah, in program history. I agree. I agree. And it's, um, but th- these are the years, hopefully, hopefully that, you know, you go into it, the expectation, you don't know what, you don't know what's going to come. And, um, you know, I, it'll be fun to see, to see Lane try to, try to do this, you know, imagine next year if we win nine or so, you know, or get to that eight, nine, eight, nine wins. I mean, with all the guys we lost, you're thinking, Hey, we're, we got a legit guy back there coaching this team. So it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how, how this is handled without corral life, without corral. Um, where's, where's Kiffin go from here is, is going to be the question going on this off season. I said that we're going to touch on questions that were submitted both on the Ole Miss spirit message board and Twitter, but we ended up getting 90 and we're already almost done here. So we're going to break this into two podcasts, two mailbags. So three straight mailbags, unprecedented in the history of talk of champions, Granger Reb, any movement with Cam Ward yet? Nothing. Dog Brewer, what's the deal with the running back room? Something seems to miss there. Parrish is good, but he shouldn't be getting carries right now. Well, he's not anymore because the season's over. He certainly isn't good enough to pacify or worry about leaving. I like Parrish and hope he's here next year, but he should have to wait his turn like Bullock is doing, in my opinion. Thank you. Or is the issue Kevin Smith? Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think that... um... Parrish and the Ely type is is their guy. I mean that that's that's what they want. Even though I mean, pair. I mean you think Parrish missed one over the middle. I mean that incomplete pass is you know he got definitely got popped. But just just little plays like that during the game are um, are frustrating, especially for for Altmaier. But yeah, that room in general is um, you know you got three talented guys. Um, all of them probably think they should have the ball. Um, I think that that they have a certain style guy they want. And, um, you know, it's just, um, I, I don't think it, uh, I think if anything, Kevin Smith is far from the problem. I think he is a, a pretty relatable guy. I think they all really like him. If I had to guess, and I, I know Kevin, you know, decently well, he's an awesome dude. Um, but definitely if I were a player, I'd love to have a coach like that. So I don't think it's Kevin Smith. I don't think we look there. I just think it's a, um, a situation where we have three really talented guys, two very talented that are, you know, pretty far along veterans and um you know they probably probably all think they should be in there and it's just certain situations call for certain stuff and um yeah i mean it, it'll sort itself out and you know we'll get guys if they leave we'll get guys i mean we'll, we'll get there will be another running back those guys weren't gonna be here forever so um you know we're hoping to keep snoop at least and but if not you know we go out you you, you find find the next guys and you develop them conway nick really digging at nil we really did that on Wednesday, didn't we? You talked a lot about NIL. Yep. Yeah. We'll touch on that again another time, Conway. Nick, we got a lot of questions to get to today. Buzz83, if Broker returns and moves to left guard and Ben Brown returns and plays center, what does the rest of the starting offensive line look like, including prospective transfers? And might we finally have enough depth next year to have a rotation? I think it would be left guard, Nick Broker, Ben Brown center, Right guard Caleb Warren or Eli Acker, right tackle Jeremy James or Mason Brooks from Western Kentucky, and left tackle Jeremy James or Mason Brooks from Western Kentucky. Is that about right? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think we're hoping some of those. Maybe there's a freshman or two, or a freshman or two from this last class that um, you know is kind of developed and can at least be a role player. But man, I, they have got to have some depth and have some guys there to. Um, you know, fix these holes. You can't be an SEC team and you know rolling guys in there that 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 are out of position. I mean that that having McIntyre play right tackle was, I mean it just yeah, wasn't it was wasn't ideal. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it, was, it it looked like it looked like you know, I mean it just didn't look good. He looked like a guard playing right tackle. 
No doubt. Absolutely. And it sucks for him to be put in that situation. And you would think that we would have depth. I mean, listen, college football gets 15 guys. That's a lot of damn linemen. You know, you, you got to be able to find seven or eight that can play. Going to go right back to Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman in this edition of Talk of Champions after we hear from B&A Bank and Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC. Code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. BXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions podcast network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm sneaky bullish on this high school offensive line class they just signed. I think there's a lot of upside, a lot of raw potential, and some guys that had some really nice offers that a lot of schools also wanted so I think that they did some really good work, if nowhere else, in the offensive line room in that recruiting class for 2022. Sarasota Bill, if Durkin leaves, should Partridge become the defensive coordinator? I think so, just because you can't afford to lose him. It's a risk, though. Yeah. It's a risk, because I don't think he's ever really called a defense before. 
Yeah, I think Durkin is. I mean, there's a reason Durkin was a head coach at a at a pretty solidly big school. He's a, um, you know, he's obviously a reputable guy. But I think Parcher's, I mean, you know, just knowing how he's working, I think he's a great recruiter. Um, probably would be ready to, to take on that role. I think it would certainly be, a, um, you know, he probably he probably understands the defense well enough to call it at this point, especially being in it. So, I think from a transition standpoint, that that would be a smooth transition. Two more from Sarasota Bill. Any insight on Marquise Watson as a field coach? I know that the team loves him. The coaching staff loves him. They'd love to get him on the field if possible because I feel like they see him as the next big thing as far as assistant coaches, kind of like Trey Scott was, went to Georgia. I think he left for North Carolina after being a GA at Ole Miss, and now he's the defensive line coach at Georgia. They love Marquise Watson both as a recruiter and as a developer. He coached the defensive line last year in the Outback Bowl. Last one from Sarasota. Bill Brad has mentioned an NIL group. Is it comprised of former players or big boosters? Um, this group is, is, I don't want to get into too much detail because I know a lot of their stuff's confidential, but you know, there's, there's a couple former players in there. There's, um, but it's mainly, mainly big boosters and, and big alumni. And, and, and at some point it'll be, you know, hopefully all, all everybody, you know, every, every fan will be able to participate or every, every Ole Miss, um, you know, alumni will be able to participate. Rebel Hoops 10. How much did the Sugar Bowl help or hurt our chances for Arch? It did nothing. No player, it did nothing, no uh, player in America worth anything bases any part of their decision on a game, on the outcome of a game, even one as quote, and I put it in air quotes, important as the sugar bowl. Cause I don't mean to rain on anybody's parade. I'm not trying to knock the accomplishment had Ole Miss won. I'm not trying to knock the accomplishment, diminish the accomplishment for Baylor winning. But at the end of the day, it was an exhibition game. But even if it wasn't, no one game ever has any kind of real impact on any recruit, especially in Arch Manning. Yeah. Reb Mad, how can players like Plumley be pursued by other teams when he is not in the portal? Is this something that happens a lot under the table? It happens everywhere by every team worth half a crap. Every single one of them is tampering. All of them are tampering. Yeah. Only one school took the tampering issue very personally, and made a stink of it. I'm, of course, referring to when Fabian Lovett and Jerry and Jones were both going to come to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss got called out for tampering. It happened. But it happens everywhere. Every single school is doing it. So how does a player like Plumlee be pursued? It's not direct communication. It's not like Gus Malzahn's picking up the phone and saying, hey, John Rice, man, I'd love for you to come to Central Florida and, play, and be my quarterback and play quarterback. It's not how it works. But there are feelers put out by intermediaries to say, hey, man, if and when you get into the portal, you can come here and we've already worked it out. You can play both sports. That's happening literally everywhere for any program that matters in any kind of real meaningful way. Rebel 2469, if Caden Costa has his appeal denied and has to sit out the calendar year, does Lane recruit a scholarship kicker? I wonder if he'd add one in the portal. Kel Nation has the ability, but it's the results that matter. He missed his first kick and last kick of the year. I would agree. He doesn't have a big leg either. Now, he started the year, if you remember, as the short yardage field goal kicker. 35 and in, it was going to be Kel Nation. And then long, it was going to be Caden Costa. And then he missed the first extra point attempt he had on the year and never kicked again. So I think, or at least be intrigued, to see if Lane Kiffin would add a kicker in the portal. I don't know about scholarship and one out of high school. Maybe. Rebels 6. How on earth did we give up 10 sacks? I was at the game and haven't watched a replay from section 639 
It looked like we got whipped man on man and almost never picked up a blitz. Serious question, not being a wise ass. No, and, and that's that's that is a, a good question. I mean, it, it was crazy, man. It was it was every stunt or every twist they did. It, it was like a whole mass of confusion, and I mean, there were some free shots to the quarterback. Now, now there's there's a multiple different types of sacks. I mean, there's times where you're getting beat physically, and you're hanging on to the guy, and he gets him. We're talking about free range shots. I mean, that last play of the game, flip that on and see how that feels as a quarterback if you're back there. I mean, he literally the, the dude was beeline and, and didn't even I don't know if he even got touched. So. That to me is it ain't nothing physical about that. That's just confusion and, and getting out schemed. So I mean, some of those some of those sacks were happening so fast and and they they, they were just weren't even touched. I mean, that that to me was was super alarming. And I'm sure there were some physical beats in there as well. But uh, man, it seemed much more confusion than than actual physical physical beatings. Yeah, we're gonna have to turn this into two mailbags, back to back to back mailbags. Maybe we're getting lazy, or. Maybe this is just what y'all want because I asked on a random lazy Sunday afternoon for questions and 90 came in. Ole Miss Reb 2020. Gun to your head. Who comes back and who leaves? Obviously, only key players and starters. I'm assuming we're not talking about the obvious guys like Dontario Drummond, Raylan Sanders, Jaquar Pearson. Who else? Who else am I missing? Well, let's go over some. Jerion Ely's already announced he's going pro, as we've been reporting was going to happen. Dontario Drummond's going pro. I expect Snoop to probably leave. Matt Corral's obviously going pro. I think you're going to get Ben Brown back. He retore his bicep uh, like a month plus ago, a month or so ago. Yep. And then Nick Broker, like I said, there's been more and more optimism that ultimately he's going to decide to come back, and that'd be a big addition too. And I think Jake Springer and a few other defensive players, from what I've heard, um, that are out of eligibility or at least applying to try to get an additional year. So maybe a Jake Springer, if he can get an additional year, because he was punished unfairly. Last year, he had to sit out due to normal NCAA transfer rules only for the NCAA to not only pass the one-year penalty-free transfer, but also every kid that was adversely impacted or affected by COVID-19 got an additional year. So why did he have to sit out? Makes no sense. But with the NCAA, you can never count on anything, and I would not hold my breath for Jake Springer being back. Otis Reese, I expect him back. Chance Campbell's an interesting one. If you'd asked me about four days ago, I'd have said he's coming back. Today, I'm not so sure. I guess it depends on the NIL deal. Yeah, I think it depends on Durkin as well. Yeah, Durkin's his guy. Yeah. Rebel like you mean it. How much time is spent teaching the rules of the game? So many penalties. Um, You know, they're... It's certainly talked about. I mean, we, we always had segments in the NFL where, um, so we did like a little thing in Seattle where every, I mean, this is most teams I was on every Saturday, we showed situations. It was called situations across the league. And we would go over all these different plays and it'd be all these crazy plays that happened that, that, um, you know, you wouldn't really, you would kind of question the, what's the ruling there. And you kind of have the whole team involved. We always did in the NFL college, um, you know, not, maybe not as much, but as you're playing the game, as you're learning, longer there you kind of understand the rules and, and the different situations and a lot of coaches go over situational football but yeah there was always some some rule teaching and some fun stuff to um you know to go along with it. a lot of banter a lot of you know there's some crazy rules out there that people wouldn't even know about um but yeah that, that, that that's definitely part of the part of the, the process in most programs ak rebel 84 is hudson wolf's back injury more serious than initially thought or did they just see that he wasn't quite ready to contribute and decided to take it slow? They just saw that he wasn't quite ready to contribute and decided to take it slow. 
Maiden Dixie just getting back in town for the game. Brad on the sweet touchdown run by Baylor when the Red Sea parted. Can you explain that formation? I saw them shift and overload the right side. It didn't look like we adjusted. If we didn't, should we have? No. So this is what happened on that play, and I, and I went back and um, yeah, I, just, I looked at look at what they did there. So they they shifted to the right, which which shows your strength to the right. You know, you obviously got tight end overhang over to the right, and and you're thinking, hey, you know, run to the right. Well, they do a fake zone to the left so the whole line gets the flow going left while the play's flowing back right well the two guys that overhang they actually blocked to the right they actually went out blocked to the right while the rest of the line got the defense flowing to the left and in that play I, i've run this play before that tight end lets lets the um lets the defensive end free because it's so quick and you're thinking hey the sweep will come past that dn well that's what happened the dn kind of got sucked in on, on the on the flow of the zone the other two guys are free up to the only backer over there. The only way that play is defended is if you're playing man and the guy following that receiver is following across and he's there, you know, there for him. And that's his man guy. Wish we would have had a safety over there. It's just a good play call, good scheme. And, um, you know, it's one of those deceptives that, um, that hit the right time. And that kid obviously had good speed. So, you know, that maybe the DN could have, could have been there and not got sucked down the zone, but that's what the play is designed to do, man. I mean, the, the, the flow to the left, it gets, gets the whole defense you know, going that way. Then, then you get a quick hitter back to the right. It's, um, you, know, you were hoping to be a man there and have somebody there for him. Rebel 71, the Baylor defensive line was good, but they completely embarrassed our offensive line. Honestly, would you and Brad put this on preparation or talent or both and on Levy or the offensive line coach? I'm not trying to blow up our team over one game with the green quarterback back up in, but the poor offensive line play was glaring from the start. Yeah, I mean, not only that, not not only was it bad in pass protection, we really didn't didn't run the ball or the crap either. So yeah, terrible. I mean, no they, push. They, they, I, I, how do you explain no push? Is that just getting beat yeah. straight up at the line of scrimmage? I mean, is that something that you can help with scheme or anything like that? How do you explain no push? Yeah. Well, well a lot of it no push. So Baylor was very movie. I mean, very stunty, very movie. Those 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 teams are hard to, to block and they were actually good players too. It wasn't like they're, you know, just some little undersized guys that could stun you wash them down. They were actually good players with it as well. So you know, a lot of it was, was this them getting gaps quicker, um, you know, kind of blown up when, when you're looking at O-line blocking, everything goes on sequence. There's always combinations. There's always, you know, spots to be anytime you got, if you're working a combination between a tackle and a guard, and you're going up to a guy anytime there's a stunt and, and that guy creates penetration and gets you to get you guys on different levels, you're not going to get any push. You got it. It's got to be a synchronized, um, you know, combination where guys are shoulders are on the same level. Anytime, any kind of penetration can blow up a complete play. So it's not necessarily that there's no push. It's that, you know, they were, you know, one guy could be getting pushed, but the other guy could, could be missing on the stunt and giving up a little bit of penetration. And it just throws the whole timing of the playoff or the whole timing of the read off. So, um, that's kind of what was going on. And then, hey, man, you're right, though. I mean, and, and they weren't that big. That's what's crazy. It wasn't like they weren't huge, that big. <laughs> it was wild, man. Like, I was shocked, but they were getting after us. Yancey Stringer. I'll see what you did there. Rumor has it that Kiffin isn't very <laughs> organized. Shut up. Is that something that you have heard of before? How would you define disorganized? That would be my question. Lane Kiffin yeah, is unique. He's... Uh, I'll handle it. It's okay. I'll handle it. I'm not touching that one. He's unique in that he's impulsive. He makes calls kind of on his own on an island. A lot more collaborative are some other accomplished head coaches like Lane Kiffin in that they want the input on every decision 
from guys they hire to specialize in that particular area. Like if I'm going to offer a tight end out of the portal, maybe you would want to talk to John David Baker or your offensive coordinator. But there have been times where maybe Ole Miss did line up a tight end. A Jeff Levy lined up a Trey Berry and Lane Kiffin just decided on a Monday, I don't want him. That has happened before. Is that disorganized? At the end of the day, it's his call to make. So I don't think there's a right, wrong way to do it. It's just his way. So disorganized. I I don't know how you're defining it because I do think that as far as recruiting is concerned, they could be better organized in terms of how they go about operationally pursuing some kids. I don't think Lane Kiffin gets as serious as he needs to about recruiting, especially high school kids, until it's nut-cutting time in like November and December. He could have a more active role in pursuing these high school kids and having FaceTime with these kids, like a DeCarlos Nicholson, the JUCO cornerback, that was going to flip from Kentucky to Ole Miss when he came in on a visit. I know that because he told somebody I talked to about this stuff all the time. He was going to flip to Ole Miss, and he didn't get any FaceTime with Lane Kiffin. And finally, I think it was the third time he was in the same room with Lane. Lane acknowledged him. He's like, oh, finally the head coach acknowledged my existence. So I'm not knocking Lane Kiffin in that way. Lane Kiffin's a different type of bird, and it's been really successful for him. And I think he's the best thing Ole Miss could have possibly done as far as a head coach and hiring at the time they hired him. And he just took him to the Sugar Bowl. They won 10 games. One went away from their first ever 11-win season. So much good. But there are some things where he could clean it up and be a little bit more efficient. I think that's fair. You can't say that this guy's beyond reproach. There are some things that you can be critical of Lane Kiffin about. Number two from Yancey Stringer. Could they have called it differently on offense once they noticed the offensive line problems? Um, yes, I think that was, that was something that, um, that, that certainly could have been had, but here's the thing too. Like, did they have a Luke Altmaier package? Probably not. I mean, did did you, did you think that, that, that you're going to get, um, you know, get, have corral out in the first quarter, you know, the first couple minutes of the first quarter, probably not. Yeah. There, there's things that they could have done, but what, what probably happened there is I'm sure after that first job, they probably had him on the headset or had him over and said, Hey, what are you comfortable with? What do you like? Um, you know, and they probably know, you know, just seeing them in practice kind of what it's, so they probably dumbed it way down. And, and I've been in these games before where you don't want to get this kid in there, you know, thinking too much. Let's just get him, you know, let's, let's pick out five plays here, five plays there. You know, let's, let's get them. You know, we'll just do different formations with the same plays. And that's kind of what they were doing. Um, you know, they gave him a deep ball. They gave him a, um, a QB draw, um, you know, they ran the ball, different, different deceptive runs. And, other than that, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of plays they were actually running with them. You know, you notice he threw the same go ball multiple times, and um, you know Baylor saying that too high because um, they knew whenever it was man, they played man maybe a couple times, and when they did, we actually we got after him. Braylon Sanders got for the one guy, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think you certainly could have you know put him on the move a little more, maybe um, maybe ran the ball, but hell, we couldn't even run the ball, so that that's what hurt us. I mean. Had we been able to establish a run, I, I think you know Luke would have been you know scot free there, you know. But it, he still couldn't run the ball. Now, now you're forcing the kid to throw. Um, it just, yeah, it was it was it was bad, man. You hit, you have to be able to run it there, and um, that that could have been the saving grace. Yeah, there's no chance we could have gotten all 90 questions today. Cobb Newton, where will Jake Thornton be coaching if anywhere next season? Ole Miss is the offensive line coach. TJM23, three questions: Are there internal problems with Lane Kiffin and his staff? I wouldn't say internal problems. I mean, the guys you work with, the people you work with, you don't love everybody you work with, and that's the case with the Ole Miss coaching staff. I mean, that's everywhere. Is it true that we still have some more me instead of team guys, kind of like with the coaching staff? That's everywhere. 
you're never going to have a uh, full locker room of team first, go get them kind of dudes. This whole team and me, it's about to become a whole lot more me now. You have money involved. You have, you know, different different situations. Guys want to get more playing time. The portal's is super lucrative now. The whole team thing is 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 about to go way down. So so for the people that are the college football fans that love the whole like, yeah, team game, whatever, dude. These guys are about to. These guys are young professionals now. I mean, so it's going to be much more. I know a lot of people out there hate the NFL and they they love college football. Well, you're about to see a real transition to the NFL type of type of game for these kids. I mean, they're they're thinking, hey, everything's based on money now, which it used to not be. Um, everything's going to be based on, Hey, where can I get in the game quicker to, to get to the NFL? Cause now I can, cause I can go to the portal. Whereas I used to have to say, Hey, if I want to go to the portal, man, I'll have to take a year of football off. It ain't worth it. I'll just get better where I'm at. I'll work my ass off where I'm at to try to try to better my situation. And, and if I'm the better player, I'll play. Um, but that, 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 that doesn't exist anymore. So the, the whole, the whole me thing is about to grow really large in college football. Hey, look, nobody else is looking out for him. So look out for yourself. TJM twenty three. Can Luke be QB one? I'd listen. I I I was certainly encouraged. If you weren't encouraged at, at that game, um, then then you didn't know what you were looking at. Um, because he has he has two two bad throws that that you 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 take those throws out, which they did happen. One was a tip. One he just forced it over the middle. Um, that that looked you know. Where we're bad plays, just there's no other way to put it. But man, there were some plays in there that were encouraging, especially for a guy who likely took zero first team reps because that you just don't have enough reps or enough time in the day to be repping your two, your number two quarterback, um, you know, on certain plays. He has to take a lot of mental reps. And the fact that he got in there, man, I'm telling you, there was a stretch there where it had that holy shit, this kid's about to be special. About to, he's, this kid's about to win us a sugar bowl for Eli, for the music city, uh, man, had that feel. Hey, I'm telling you, there. The stretch there then all of a sudden boom the, the pick over the middle happens or or hey we miss a field goal then give up a long touchdown like that that's just deflating you know so um yeah i mean i, I thought that um for for a kid that was a true freshman if he come and i, I don't but i'm not sure if he loses his red shirt there um or not but um you know he comes in there you got to think after a whole off season you got a little confidence now like hey i can get in that game and it wasn't like we were playing a, a small i mean we we're playing a, a, a number the seventh ranked team that's in the, the nation, big 12 so. champ yeah, Big 12 champ. So it wasn't like we were, weren't playing a, a solid opponent. And, and not to mention, he was going against a, a, a defensive, a really good defensive guy. So he was seeing some good looks. And, the, man, he was he made some plays there, some some crazy good throws. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he'll have a chance. I really do. And uh, it's going to be up to him how how good he wants to be. But, um, man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think I think I, I like I like where he's at. Now let's, let's bring in another guy. Let's let these two battle it out. Aussie Reb, with the benefit of hindsight, should Lebby come back for the Sugar Bowl? Should Lebby have come back for the Sugar Bowl? And should Matt Corral have opted out? Well, with the benefit of hindsight, yes to both. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's tough. It, it's tough to. <laughs> it's tough to say. It really is. I mean, it, when you it, say it, something it, is tough, I've learned this about you. You want to say, yeah, yeah, probably. That's true. You're given the benefit of hindsight, and given the benefit of hindsight, yeah. Levy should have come back and Matt Crow should have hopped it out. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man, but you, you just don't. You, you, it's hard to say a kid should opt out, but. Um, no, it's really not. Not an exhibition game. If he was playing for a national championship, think if that game meant something. It all comes back to expanding the playoff. Make these games mean something. There's no other sport in America, in the world, that is decided, it's postseason decided, like college football. It's bizarre. I don't get it. I just don't get it. And it's boring. The Michigan-Georgia game sucked. The Cincinnati-Alabama game sucked. 
Give me more opportunities, more chances, more teams that can win this thing. Otherwise, you're stuck in games, and we're having this stupid conversation about opt-outs. Opt-outs wouldn't happen if you're playing for something meaningful. At the end of the day, as much as everyone, yeah. and I wanted this for Ole Miss mm-hmm. fans so bad to win the Sugar Bowl, to send Matt Corral out the right way, to celebrate what has been an incredible comeback from all the crap of 2016. But at the end of the day, there's no reason. My dad was really nervous about this game. My dad gets nervous about every Ole Miss game. But he's really nervous about the Sugar Bowl. And I wasn't trying to be a dick, but it's like, Dad, why are you so nervous about a game that has no real value outside of just winning the Sugar Bowl, saying we won the Sugar Bowl? Because Ole Miss wasn't playing for anything. It was an exhibition game. I love bowl games. I love watching matchups. I loved watching the Music City Bowl. That Tennessee game was so much fun to watch. I love watching these games. I would love watching them more if they meant something. If they don't expand the playoff, they need to put a money value on them. That's it. That's right. Like yep. yep. It's like the NFL playoffs. Hey, you know, if this team wins, every player gets five grand. If the other team, you know, whatever. The, the, the winner gets five grand, the other team gets one. Something like that. Because that, that's how it is in the playoffs. Um, you know, I mean, you, think about it this win. way. It shouldn't be the case that winning the Sugar Bowl in a non-college football playoff year, that you're just playing for a trophy that holds the same kind of value as my daughter Riley's, her little under six girls soccer team, their trophy. In the grand scheme of things in sports, those two trophies, the Sugar Bowl and Riley's little first place New Albany Park Commission trophy, mean about the same. And that's ridiculous. It shouldn't be that way. The Sugar Bowl is one of the most storied bowls in college football history. The Rose Bowl. Everybody wants to play in the Rose Bowl. Every year, the Rose Bowl should be about something. That's one of the greatest traditions in college football. So is the Sugar Bowl. And these games with such great traditions that are uniquely college football, uniquely representative of this sport, it should always mean something. And outside of the teams involved in those fan bases, it really doesn't mean anything. Just make these games mean something. That's all it is. Expand the playoff. Yeah. You would make more money this way. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's you you nailed it. You, they need to mean something, and with with the money pool now, it's um, yeah, they, they need to put they need to start putting some money values for the players on these games, um, yep. or something, or some some kind of incentive, and um, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's certainly what needs to happen there. C rep seventy three. What about Caden Coster for next season? I don't know. I'm going to dig into that. Also, how many kids that we assumed were gone, such as Jake Springer, applying to get an extra year of eligibility? I haven't heard an exact number, but more than three. I know that's kind of vague. Or just vague. Landshark, Lenny, Happy New Year's to you guys. Easily my favorite Ole Miss podcast of all the sites when you two are diving into everything Ole Miss football and baseball. What about when we're not diving into Ole Miss football and baseball? I'm kidding. Thank you. Recruiting guests, opponents, and latest... On our team and coaches, I value your opinion more than all other journalists. That was really nice. Look at you, Brad. You're a journalist now. <laughs> uh, a journalist, I guess. You're just talking, and that's about it. I don't quite write like you guys. You guys are amazing at the writing stuff. Uh, I cannot do just, that. Just say thank you to Landshark Lenny and move on. Thank you, Landshark Lenny. There you go. Do you agree Durkin did a better job with the talent he had than Lebby? It, it, it goes both ways there. I think that... Um, I was certainly shocked. I will say I was shocked that that our offense kind of, um, I won't say it took a step back, but it, it it wasn't quite the same as last year. But when I, when you kind of dig into it, you go, hey, um, you know, offense was um, offense got a little banged up during the year, and we're missing a, a super key piece, which is the tight end. Um, and, and to me, they were, you know, doing a lot more stuff with the running backs this year because I think they thought that's where the strength was, and. 
Um, you know, I, I don't think that, um, I'm not going to say Yuli was disappointing, but I don't think he lived up to quite what, 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 what they were thinking. Um, on top of, you know, it just, it, it just didn't work out the run game wasn't, it, it was, it was solid at times, but it wasn't, you know, quite as consistent as it needed to be, um, efficient. I wouldn't say consistent, but, but, but efficiency was, was kind of hit or miss there. Meaning, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of lost yards. We had a lot of big runs, but, you know, to be efficient throughout the game, to get in third and short, you want to be a little shorter. I don't think that was there this year quite as much. And, um, I think the tight end position showed, showed its face of how valuable it is in this, um, in this offense. Number two, do you agree since Matt was injured in Tennessee, our offense was average at best. Last night proved nothing magical about Lebby or Kiffin play calling. It was more about Corral and skilled players making it work for their vanilla calling. Red zone atrocious pretty much all year. Terrible running scheme. Terrible offensive line protection. It was most of the year. I can't disagree with all that, but I don't think it was, it was quite quite that brutal. I mean, we still put up some pretty good numbers. Um you know, we were, I don't know, we had 300 something yards last year, uh, last night um, with, with Altmaier coming in. But last night was a simple, simple matter of this, man. And, and you can't discount losing Matt Craig. He's the best player in college football. Of course, we're going to look a lot worse. We have a kid in there that they got no reps preparing for the game. I mean, and nobody gives their backup reps for the game. I mean, you have to stand back there and you, you get you get what they call mental reps. But you're not going to waste reps on, on the backup. You're going to know, you know, he could probably come there. But you assume when the backup comes in, you're losing anyways. That's just the, that's just the honest to God truth. Um, so, you know, probably get a whole lot of reps. So I, I do think that if Crowell was in there, he would have got going. He would have, you know, got comfortable. He really started using his legs a little bit, which I think would have brought them back to the middle of the field. Maybe put him in a little more man coverage, maybe having to spy him a little bit. Um, but yeah, and I think that's, that's a, a little bit of re- overreaction, but, but you're right. I mean, there, there are some points in there that, um, you know, there was, there was times where, um, we weren't quite as sharp. Um, I don't, I don't know what the deal was with it, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the offense was, was kind of hit or miss, even a state game. You look at Mississippi state game, we kind of won that game a weird way. I mean, it wasn't like we were hitting passes all over the place. Um, everything we, we started playing like this small ball kind of, kind of deal, which was, which was, which was different. Number three, any chance we could win 10 next year with a possibly better offensive coordinator and overall talent outside of the quarterback? Trigger man matters the most, and you're taking a step down significantly no matter who the quarterback is because Matt Crabb was the best quarterback in college football this year. Baton Rouge Rebel Ben, how did our football team get home? Were they allowed to leave on their own? If they flew back, when did they get back? I have no idea. I could bullshit and tell you Baton Rouge Rebel that, oh, yeah, they flew home or they rode the buses. I do know this. Lane Kiffin went to the Bahamas. Rebel Fan 18, I know the university cannot be involved, but is there anyone working to keep all NIL efforts organized and working in unison to make sure all sports are covered? Yes, and we talked about that at length in the first mailbag, which was last Wednesday. This is the second, and we're going to have a third one, I guess, on Tuesday. CB Tillman 1, could you add to the next Talk of Champions a running list of subtractions and additions from the portal? We'll do that on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, affiliateofon3.com. Check out the hot list. I will uh, link that on the top of the board, and you can look at all the uh, additions and subtractions and stuff like that. I'll do a running thread about that. Sarasota Reb, is Luke Altmaier our starting quarterback next fall? Oh, it's way too early to tell. What do they do in the portal? If so, what is your prediction on win or win total if it is Luke Altmaier? I'd say eight. Ooh, that's that's aggressive. Eight aggressive? Cam Corral. Yeah, you're right. I th- well, it's, it's just it's the schedule. You could start six and zero. Oh. Now that back yeah. end is really tough. You could start six and zero oh and finish six and six. That's a really tough oh, that, back end. 
Kentucky's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Everybody keeps saying six and up. Kentucky's going to be a tough game, especially if, if our quarterback situation isn't, isn't, you know, isn't really, really settled there. Last one, fan of Rebs. If we didn't get your question today, if you send me a DM on the old spirit or you hit me up with a mention on Twitter, again, we're going to do a third mailbag. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. Back to back to back mailbags. It's easy for us. We just sit down and answer questions, but I feel a little lazy. I feel like we should be doing more. I got guests coming up. I had some things scheduled and planned, but Brad said we had to record on the Sunday. So, damn it, we recorded. And now we've got three mailbags and 90 questions. We've gotten through half of them. Fan of Rebs on Arch. I can see how the 10 sacks allowed may give him pause. They don't. But since the majority of the offensive line getting abused last night were recruited by Matt Luke, do you think he really wants to go to Georgia? I don't think any of these things are being considered in any way by Arch Manning. <laughs> I can see last night helping our chances with Arch. They didn't. As Luke didn't look like a future Heisman candidate, but I love your two thoughts on this. I don't think the Sugar Bowl or how it played out or anything from it is in any way in consideration at all for Arch Manning. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com and affiliateofon3.com. We're going to cover anything and everything thing and what's going to be quite the busy all season for Ole Miss football so make sure you're plugged in for recruiting coaching staff turnover whatever might come the way of the Ole Miss football team it will be there on the Ole Miss Spirit OmissSpirit.com and affiliateofon3.com and Brad's there too he's a subscriber and he's active you can ask him questions on the message board so get active in the community the Ole Miss Spirit OmissSpirit.com thanks buddy we'll do another mailbag I guess tomorrow sounds good see you Ben howdy toddy when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.